Well, good morning. This week, we mark another milestone in our journey. We celebrated the sixth anniversary of the inauguration of the Bible College of Wales. Man, I'll never forget that day as long as I live. That event marked, of course, a very significant milestone in my own personal journey with God. It's one of the reasons why God called me into full-time ministry. I was called by God to redeem the Bible College of Wales. It was my destiny. It was your destiny, Cornerstone. And this college, of course, is not just a property. It's our legacy. It's not just brick and mortar. It's our inheritance. What a privilege. What an honor. Amen. And I want to speak today about the significance of the Bible College of Wales. And my message is entitled, Developing a Spiritual RAF in Cornerstone. Now, what I'm going to say, some of you probably have heard before, but you know, in the last 12 months or so, we have had many new people join the church and and while you are exposed to the worship and the preaching of the word and what you can see, uh, you, many of you don't know the backstory. Many of you don't know the, the battles that we have gone through, the, the fights that we had to face to bring the church where we are today. And I just feel like I want to share with you a, a, a narrative today. I want to uh, give you a recitation of our journey, uh, the backstory behind the battles, so that you can understand what God has done in our lives to bring us where we are. About 25 years ago, I was in a bookstore in Sydney, Australia, and I was browsing through some books, and this had, has never happened to me before since. And I, I was walking past a bookshelf, and one book literally called out to me. I don't know how to explain it, but I know that it was a, there was such a pull of the book, and I remember taking one step backwards like this, and I turned, and the book was The Intercessor by Norman Grubb, who chronicled the life and times of the great intercessor, Mr. Reese Howells, and those wonderful praying saints at the Bible College of Wales. I had absolutely no idea that this book was going to change my life. I had no idea that this was going to alter the course of my destiny, because apart from the Bible, I don't think any other book that has a more a profound influence and impact in my life, and not in my wildest imaginations. Would I have dreamt that many years later, the Lord would call me and Cornerstone, Singapore, to redeem the Bible College of Wales, the college that Mr. Reese Howells founded in 1927. And I will be no fear of exaggeration or contradiction to say that what happened in that college, Mr. Reese Howells and that praying band of intercessors altered the cause of human history. And trust me, this world would have been a much darker place had it not been for the fact that they prayed, hallelujah, into the events of the world. And this, it was this band of intercessors, about a hundred of them, that gave themselves to one thing and one thing only, to pray day and night and night and day through World War II. And they prevailed over the strong men in Hitler and all that was accomplished through the agency of intercession. They believed that the Holy Spirit in them was stronger than the devil that was in that man. And through intercession, they could bind the strong man. Hallelujah. And at the height of the war, they interceded and thwarted much of Hitler's plans and saw miracle after miracle after miracle that shifted and altered the course of the war. And they were always two steps ahead of the enemy. Mr. Howells believed that they had a, as much a responsibility as the soldiers in the trenches, in the front lines. And while they were not physically there in the front lines fighting, they, they felt a responsibility to fight in the heavenlies and what they call or term the spiritual RAF. They were responsible for the outcome of the war. God put such a burden upon them. And they prayed right through also, of course, to the fulfillment of the biblical promises to the Jewish people when the United Nations voted in 1948 to see if Israel had the right to be a nation. And after 2,000 years, again, the prayers prevail. Amen. And this, of course, and many other stories in history, 
uh, and victory has made the Bible College of Wales such a hallowed place in Christianity's history. And ladies and gentlemen, this is our inheritance. This is our inheritance. God chose you. He chose me. He chose Cornerstone to redeem one of the greatest legacies of the church, of the, in the history of the church. And we must not take it lightly. We must guard the vision. We must deal with the call that God has placed upon us and once again become world-class intercessors just as Mr. Reese Howells was. This is our legacy, my friends. And we must never forget our birthright. We must never compromise on our high call. Our destiny and our calling is not just to grow a strong local church to impact the, the global world. It, our destiny is to grow a church. It's to be a band of praying people that will influence the course of history. Hallelujah. Shandaraba. We don't just want to grow a big church. We want to grow big people. Amen. Hallelujah. In 2002, I was uh, sitting in my living room watching Reinhard Bonke, that great German evangelist, preaching. He was recounting in the story how he had received the mantle of George Jeffries. If you don't know who George Jeffries is, it doesn't matter. But he's just one of the greatest evangelists England has ever produced after the Wesley brothers and George Whitfield. And as he was sharing the testimony, I was in my room watching in the power of sitting on the, the, the coffee table, watching one of those videotapes. The Spirit of God comes and I had this amazing God encounter. The power of God hits me and I, I burst out weeping. It was one of those amazing encounters. And I'll tell you this, it was as though God corralled my mind. I couldn't think of anything at that moment, but out of my lips, I cried out. I said, God, give me the mantle of Mr. Reese Howells. Give me the mantle of Mr. Reese Howells. I don't fully understand what happened. I don't fully understand what happened in that right mo at that moment. But I'll tell you this, I know what happened. There was a spiritual, spiritual transaction, and the mantle of Mr. Reese Howells touched me, and God placed a deposit in my life. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not suggesting for one moment that I carry Mr. Howells' mantle. I don't, but I think something of that mantle touched me that moment, just like Elijah's mantle touched Elisha for that very brief moment, and it ruined the man for the rest of his life. It ruined the man for the rest of his life. And I'll tell you, when that mantle touched me, God deposited something of Mr. Reese Howell's mantle upon their lives. And you know, over the years, I've had many, several mantles touch my life. And I want to say this because God is about to touch many of you with the different mantles that He has prepared for you. I've been, of course, touched by Brother Bailey's mantle. I've had quite a few people while speaking to me say, Pastor Young, my eyes are open and I see a mantle over your life right now. It's, the, it's Brother Bailey's mantle. And I know something of Brother Bailey's mantle was deposited in my life. I, of course, I've been touched by Reinhard Bonke's mantle. Four months before he died, I had a very powerful encounter with God as he prayed for me as well. And, uh, and, and something happened. I received something from that man. I cannot explain it to you, but I know I received something from that man. You know, a few uh, weeks after he died, uh, uh, Chris Berkland called me up and wrote to me and said, Pastor Young, when Reinhardt passed away, did you ever ask for his mantle? I said, you better believe it, I did. I remember on the day that he died, I cried out to God. I said, Lord, let the mantle of this man touch me, God. Let the mantle of this man touch me. And I said, why would you ask that? He said, because I had a dream last night. And he said, I saw the mantle of Reinhardt touch you in a very profound way. Oh, my friends, I tell you this, I'm under no illusions that who I am today, I'm a composite of all the anointings that have 
been poured into my horn. Hallelujah. And I, I just want to say this to you that there are people here today that God wants wanting to release a fresh anointing upon your life. I, I believe that God has not brought us this far just to bring us this far. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. And I just want, I meant, I'm saying to you right now, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you know, another mantle that I know touched me was a man who died a hundred years ago and that was John G. Lake. I've read almost every book about John G. Lake. I think he was one of the greatest prophetic power-packed ministers ever raised in the church. And if there's any man in the, and I want to be, I want to be like John Chilek. Let me just tell you this, all right? And I, I remember, um, you know, I cried out so many times, well, Lord, just let me be touched by the mantle of John Chilek. And early this year, you know, Chris Berkland had a vision and he said that Lord called you by a different name. He called you Freeman Lake. Freeman because you're free, he set you free, and Lake because of your connection with John Chilek. He had absolutely no idea that I've been praying into that for many years. Come on, hallelujah. And I believe that God wants to release something very powerful to you. You know, World War II was the darkest period in human history. Over 75 million people died in a six-year period of the war. It was a moment of the war during the war where almost all was lost. Britain was at the verge of total collapse and defeat. Hitler was winning victory after victory and the German army was unstoppable. Then in 1941, Hitler began to implement his plan to exterminate the Jewish race, which in part he succeeded by murdering over 6 million Jews. It was probably the darkest moment in all of human history that the most civilized and the most enlightened nation in this planet would be guilty of the most barbaric act in humanity. And Jesus prophesied that it would happen again at the end of the age. But there are things, but when things are the bleakest, when the circumstances and situation is the darkest, that's when the stars shine the brightest. Hallelujah. And I tell you, in the darkest moment of the war, God raised up a man called Mr. Reese Howells and those mighty praying band of intercessors. And he's go, he was going to answer, answer every threat that the enemy placed. Hallelujah. And he called them into what was called third heaven intercession. Instead of praying in reaction to the barrage of bad news, which is what we do often, uh, this company arose to correctly discern the times and seasons. All right, hear me on this. We have somehow allowed the enemy, the devil, to set the agenda. We hear bad news, we pray. We react by praying. We read about bad news, we react by praying. Right? And I'm not saying that it's wrong. All I'm saying is it seems that we are reacting to what the enemy is doing constantly. And we're trying to put out wildfires all the time. And if I constantly live in reaction to the opposition in my life, then I've allowed the enemy to set my agenda. In other words, if you believe the lie, you empower the liar. Come on, that's so good. But Mr. Howells understood from Scripture that it was the will of God that none should perish. And that the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached to every creature. They call it the Every Creature Commission. And this is one of the overarching principles. I'm telling you, in the word of God, we've got to come back to this again and again. And we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. And sometimes we forget the narrative. We need to come back to this verse over and over again. It is not the will of God that any should perish. But it all should come to repentance. Hallelujah. So they understood that Hitler won the war. If Hitler won the war, the victory... His victory would thwart the propagation of the gospel. So they gave themselves to one thing, to pray for the overthrow of Hitler. They were under no illusions that the devil was in that man to steal, kill, and destroy. And make no mistake about it, Hitler was Satan's instrument in preventing the gospel from going to every creature, just as Haman was in the days of Esther, if you remember that story. It was well known that Hitler had a spirit that was in him, a demon in him, and he would not do anything unless the demon spoke to him. And it's all of course, in history. 
If the vision of this gospel to every creature was going to be fulfilled, then he had to be removed. So they prayed with insight, hindsight, and foresight as to what the Lord intended to do to turn the tide. They asked the question, Lord, what needs to be done for this war to be won? And the Lord spoke to Mr. Reese Howells. I want you to listen to this very carefully, my friends. This is how we pray with insight. He said, it is his will that Hitler would be defeated. And he told them to pray that Hitler would invade Russia. And so they started interceding and God responded by moving the heart of uh, Hitler towards Russia. And of course, this was most unexpected. Nobody expected this move. He mobilized 3 million soldiers on the Eastern Front, 1929, uh, 19 Panzer divisions, 2,500 aircraft, which was trans uh, transferred from the other divisions to fight the war with Russia. And I'll tell you this, my friends, that was the turning point of the war. That was where the German army was defeated because they were spread too thin. They were fighting on too many fronts. And it was in Russia that the German army got bogged down in the harshness of the Russian winter and they were annihilated at Stalingrad. And most historians agree that if Hitler did not invade Russia, Germany would have won this great war. That critical moment was the turning of the tide because the praying, of the praying saints of the Bible College of Wales, come on, we know the backstory. We know the backstory. Of course, they lost the war, but we know the backstory that heaven has a very different perspective of history. Let me tell you this, my friends. And history belongs to the intercessor. Trust me on this. History belongs to the people that we do not know. You know, whenever we read stories about Israel in the Bible, we see the, the mess that Israel was in, but we don't see God moving on a young virgin womb, a young virgin girl who was going to bring forth the salvation of the world. We don't see God moving in another womb, another woman called Elizabeth preparing for a voice in the wilderness. We see the mess in the book of Judges, but we don't see God moving on a young mother who cried, who, a young woman, a wife who couldn't bear children. And she said, God, if you give me a son, I will do whatever it takes. I'll give him back to you. And she gave birth to the prophet Samuel. We don't see all those amazing backstories, but it's the, but the backstories that make the Bible so special. Hallelujah. Woo! Amen. Now I tell you, there's a backstory here in Cornerstone. That's really precious. That's really what it, make, what it makes cornerstone, cornerstone. Hallelujah. Amen. And we cannot, my friends, pray as Paul said, as one beating the air. We must have laser-like accuracy. Amen. We must pray in the will of God for every circumstance. When the war broke out, the college went into war mode. And I, I'm just seeing, feeling, sensing something right now because I, I'm just telling you this. I believe God is about to call Cornerstone in a war mode. God has spoken to my heart. He said, I want things to change in Cornerstone. I want prayer to be the preeminent thing that we do here in this church. I tell you this, my place, my place is to stand before the God of heaven and earth. That is my place. And to stand up, when I stand up to speak, there is a fresh unction of heaven over my life. The dew of heaven is over my life. That is what God has called me to do. It's to stay in His presence. And when I come out, it's with a fresh word from heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. That can shake the nations. Amen. And you know, of course, God would place His burden on the different aspects of the war. On Mr. Howells, the whole community would intercede and they saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And Reese Howell said something very interesting. He said they could never be free from the burden until the enemy was totally vanquished. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, sometimes God allows us, uh, sometimes the only way for God to show us that He is in control is by putting us in situations that we cannot control. <laughs> Amen. The miracle of Dunkirk, I don't know if you watched the movie, it was also one of the great examples of God's intervention. The British 
expeditionary force were trapped in the, the French town of Dunkirk, surrendered by, surrounded by the German panzer divisions, and it would, they would have been annihilated. That would be the end of the war. Germany would have won. But for 10 days, 10 days, Hitler hauled the advance. Up till today, they don't understand why. Historians could not understand why Hitler gave the command to halt the advance. And the 10 days was necessary to transport 340,000 British troops back to the British mainland. Come on, man. I'm telling you, and the conditions were just perfect. Cloud cover, the, the, the weather in the, the, the channels, and the, the, the was, it was not a harsh uh, weather. And everything was just perfect for even small boats to travel. And they brought back 340,000 soldiers, and it gave ample time for the evacuation to take place. That story was dubbed the miracle of Dunkirk. But we all know the backstory. That there was a praying band of Christians that turned the course of the war. Destiny is always made by people behind the scenes, my friends. One final example, the Battle of Britain in 1940. This battle was only fought in the airspace between the Royal Air Force, and that's what I'm talking about today, and the German Luftwaffe. And the German had overwhelming air superiority apart from the continuing blitz, which was the bombing of London and key civilian centers. They targeted many of the in, uh, um, military installations as well. But in spite of this, the RAF never gave up. And eventually the German Luftwaffe, so close, I mean, they were so close to victory, they decided that they were going to back away and fly back uh, to uh, Germany. And they left abru abruptly, and no one could understand why. And again, we know the backstory. Mr. Howells and those praying saints prevail again. Hallelujah. And you know, Churchill, Winston Churchill said concerning the Royal Air Force in the Battle of Britain, never has so much been owed by so many to so few. And I, I want heaven to look down on Cornerstone and say the same thing, hallelujah, that we are a church that would rise up and put aside our agenda and rise up and accept God's agenda for us in this hour. My friends, I'm telling you, there's something greater that is coming upon Cornerstone, hallelujah. And we must discern the times and seasons that we are in. This is a serious hour that we are living in. But you know, it wasn't just the amazing victories that he experienced and they experienced. It was also the depth of prayer that Mr. Reese Howells entered into. That man touched a level of intercession that we have no idea in the 21st century. At the inauguration on, of the college on 25th of May in 2015, both Lou Engel and Dutchie said to me, this is one of the greatest wells ever dug in the history. And you, Pastor Young, has the responsibility to steward this well, to redig this well. And I'll tell you this, my friends, we have that response. We must pray that God will give us in this hour what he gave to Mr. Howells, a, a royal air force that would win the battle in the heavenlies. And if we can do this, we can shift the nations. We can shift history. The history belongs to the intercessor. Hallelujah. Shakaraba. I want to give you two scriptures and tell you a couple of dreams and then I want to take this to a landing. Amos chapter 3 verse 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to the, his servants, the prophets. Genesis 18 and verses 17 to 19. The Lord said, I shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. These few verses are so profound, my friends. If you don't understand... This, you will always be incapacitated. I'm 61 this year, and I tell you that everything that has happened in my life hasn't been a surprise in the sense that God has spoken to me before these things happen. 
God has given me a prophetic word, a dream. Someone comes with a prophetic release and utterance over my life. And there's nothing that happens in our lives that God, without God first revealing it to us prophetically, that's his modest operandi. That's how he functions. He gives you a word in advance so that when the thing actually comes to pass, you will know it's not about you. It's about his purposes, his agenda for your life. Amen. And that's what prophecy really is. It's history written in advance. It's, it's history declared in advance. You know, I'm entering into a season of convergence at this age in my life. And convergence is simply I'm at the right place at the right time with the right people in the right church, in the right city, and doing the right things. And suddenly everything comes into a sense of a, a, a convergence. And bam, God releases you into the ministry that you were created by God to fulfill. Come on, hallelujah. Two prophetic dreams I had. In April of 2000, I, the Lord gave me a powerful prophetic dream of Africa. Up to that point, we had not sent one team to Africa. I had only known one African student who was studying in Singapore. He was attending Cornerstone. And uh, in the dream, I saw Cornerstone in, in, in Africa preaching the gospel, casting out devils, healing the sick, and all these wonderful things. And after the dream, a few months later, I was invited to Uganda, and suddenly the door opened to Africa, Uganda, Kenya, and God opened the door, and we've been to many nations. We've sent hundreds of teams, literally, to Africa alone. And today, we've got Bible schools and churches and orphanages and all kinds of wonderful ed schools, educational schools as well, all kinds of wonderful uh, uh, things that uh, we're doing there. And I'm telling you that this all precipitated because of the dream. The dream uh, precipitated, the prophetic always precipitated. God will do nothing unless he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. Hallelujah. In the same week, on the 13th of April in the year 2000, I wrote this in my journal. He's, I said, God gave me another prophetic dream. I saw an English manor, an, an estate, a house. And there was a man standing at the door and he was, um, and I asked him if he was willing to use his facility for a Bible school, he didn't say a word, he didn't say yes or didn't say no, uh, but he just had a frown on his face and all I knew, he was a Scotsman and that was again very prophetic. You know, dreams and dreams, details are important, right? So I recorded this in my journal that God would pave the way for us to be established in the United Kingdom and that dream didn't come to pass until 12 years later. In 2011, a team from Cornerstone visited the Wales. We wanted to pray at different spots and finally end up at the Felderbrennan uh, uh, which was an amazing place that God was moving in a powerful way. But God had a surprise for us in the seaside town of Swansea. When we arrived at Swansea, we wanted just to visit the Bible College of Wales, pray there, and then off we go. But I remember when we got into that place, the whole, the whole estate was in a, such a terrible, dilapidated condition. And the moment I walked into that uh, the, the, the estate, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to redeem this for me. I knew that something was happening in my spirit. And through a set of uh, circumstances, God confirmed it again and again. He said, this is what I have for you. So when we came back to Singapore, we started negotiating, and the man we negotiated was, was a Scotsman. Scotsman, right? It's really interesting, right? Um, and, um, and so what happened is, was that after six months of negotiation, you know, there was just toing and froing, and we hit a bit of a roadblock, and the deal was almost scuttled. I was discouraged. I almost thought of walking away from the deal. And at the same time, we were hosting our first Kingdom Invasion Conference. Come on, if you remember. And in that conference, we had Randy Clark and Bill Johnson. The second day of the conference, Bill was speaking. I just invited him to the platform and uh, went down to my seat. It was about four and a half thousand people. 
And Bill gave one of the greatest sermons I think he ever preached, a, a message on courage, how one man can make a difference. Come on. And when he finished preaching, he gave, um, uh, he told the story of a man called Shammah. Shammah was one of three of David's mighty men, if you remember. And he was the guy that stood in the field of lentils when all of Israel retreated. One guy, and the whole army of the Philistines were coming. One guy in the field takes out his sword and says, no more retreat. No more retreat. And he was going to defend the field of lentils even if he had to give his life for it. You know, I've read that story hundreds of times. Never understood why he would want to defeat, uh, uh, protect the field of lentils until Bill said something that was going to change my life. And Bill said, this is the field where David killed Goliath. This is where, the, where the, the, the David killed the Philistines champion. And I'll tell you, when I heard that for that moment, I'm telling you something from heaven. Risk came down and I received a deposit. It, Shama was defending revival history, my friends. He, was, he understood the background of the story. He understood what, was hap what happened in that field. And he said, I would give my life to protect this field because my king killed the champion of the Philistines on this field. And I will never allow it to go back to the Philistines. Come on. He stood right there like a one-man fighting machine, man. Oh, I tell you this, I, when, when Bill said that the power of God came upon me and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to defend my field of lentils, the Bible College of will. And right at that moment, something transacted. A mantle came down from heaven. I knew it was a mantle because I, could, I felt this piece of cloth wrap itself around me, around me, around me. God was mantling me for a divine purpose. And he said, now redeem the field of lentils. And when he said that something, I just burst out weeping. And a man came, about 10 seconds, 15 seconds at the most. He comes up to the front where I was sitting, seated, put his arms around me. He says, Pastor Young, the Lord is saying to you, buy the Bible College of Wales. Amen? And he walks away. And I tell you, I was so ruined, man. I was so, I, the next day I called the owners and I said, I don't care what the price is going to be. We're going to buy this Bible College of Wales. Hallelujah. You know, my friends, I'll tell you this. I, on, in, in 2012, December, I stood before you in Cornerstone and announced that we were owners. What a day it was. What a day it was. What a day of rejoicing. Let me close by saying that Satan is seeking to precipitate Armageddon before the great harvest. He, he wants to do that. He wants to, he wants to short-circuit the plans of God. I don't know if you can remember the Cuban Missile Crisis that happened in October of 1962 between Russia and the USSR. This was during the Cold War. The Soviets were planning to, the deployment of ballistic missiles in Cuba that could hit American cities and targets with impunity. And America had to respond. And the world was just one missile away from a nuclear holocaust. The Lord woke up Mr. Samuel Howells, the son of Reese, and said, pray, because my enemy is seeking to precipitate Armageddon. And he alerted the school and he got up in the night and they all cried out to God and prayed. And while the world, rest of the world was sleeping, just totally oblivious of what was happening, again, history was changed because there was a praying ban of intercessors that God could trust to turn the course of history. What we don't often see is the backstory, my friends. One final illustration, and then I want to take this to a conclusion. In 1905, 1904, there was a massive revival in Wales. One of the greatest revivals ever. Rick Joyner called it the greatest revival after the Book of Acts. It touched every strata of society from the coal miners up to the highest levels of government. 
Never has a revival shaken a nation like this. That fire of that revival went into many parts of the world, to Pyongyang in Korea. It went into Shillong in India. Many parts of the world were, were impacted by that revival. It also jumped the Atlantic to, and helped ignite what was called the Azusa Street Revival, 1906. Out of the Azusa Street Revival uh, came out the great Pentecostal denominations like the Assemblies of God. Did you know that? The Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Foursquare. All of that came out of a revival. That's what a revival does. It births many new ministries. But one of the results of the revival of the outpouring was something called the Student Volunteer Missions Movement, which large numbers of students from the top universities in US, the UK, and Germany answered the call for missions, even though they knew, many of them knew the price that they were going to have to pay. And Satan foresaw that this would precipitate a, a grand harvest of souls. And he sought to abort this, which he successfully did, because no one was praying. While men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed tears. He successfully did by, by launching World War I. The United Kingdom, the USA and Germany were all drawn into the war and what was supposed to happen did not happen. Then right after the war, there was this Spanish flu pandemic that those two events killed a huge number of young people that were supposed to be sent into the mission field. And Satan is always trying to abort the plans of God. And usually just before the, the... the, the, the launch of a grand harvest. He tries to abort. He tries to swallow the man-child. And that's why the church must up the ante. We must answer him. We must stand toe-to-toe, face-to-face with everything the adversary is doing. And we must answer it by prayer and supplication. If, while we are praying for revival, we must be also aware that Satan will try to intercept and to thwart God's purpose. Is there going to be another world war? I don't know, most most likely. But our prayers and intercessions must be directed to the grand harvest at the end of the age before Satan can intercept it. My friends, I tell you this, I know for a fact the devil is trying to precipitate World War III. But the times and seasons are not in his hands. It's in God's hands. It's in the hands of the intercessor. And we must intercept any attempt by the devil to precipitate World War III at this time. Because we are just at the cusp, at the verge of one of the greatest things that God is ever going to do. Cornerstone, I'm pleading with you. We need to get serious with God in this hour. We need to cry out to God for this spiritual RAF, this mantle of intercession that Mr. Reese Howells. My assignment is not just to redeem the Bible College of Wales, but to redict the well so that what he did, 50, 70 years ago, God is going to do again here in, the, in Cornerstone, hallelujah, and throughout the world. I believe with all my heart, and even more so, hallelujah, because today we're living in that final hour of humanity. About 10 weeks before we inaugurated the Bible College of Wales in 2015, we made a startling discovery. We discovered accidentally a well right in the heart of the college. We didn't know that it was there for 51 years it was hidden from the eyes of men. It was covered by dense shrubbery, foliage. Nobody knew of the well. And we felt that it was a bit of an eyesore, so we got our groundsman to cut off the swath of foliage 
And when he did that, we discovered this amazing well right in the heart of the Bible College. Ten weeks before the inauguration, Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, your assignment is to redict this well. It's to redict this well and make this college one more time a, a place where history is written. Hallelujah. I believe right now God's speaking to some of you, calling you into the life of intercession. This is my final season of my life. I've lived two-thirds of my life. I've seen more yesterdays than I have tomorrows. But I want to give the rest of my days to prayer. I feel this is my assignment, my call. More and more of my time in prayer to stay in the presence of God. The one scripture that keeps driving and burning me in my heart is David said the one thing that I've desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of His temple. You know, two of the greatest saints in Scripture, I think, that will have some of the highest places in heaven when we get to heaven would be Anna, that great woman who seven years after the death of her husband gave the rest of her life to one thing and that's to pray for the coming of the Messiah. She didn't leave the temple day and night. She stayed in the temple day and night to pray for one thing, for the coming of the Messiah. And God rewarded her. And her eyes behold the salvation of the world. There was another man called Simeon who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. These men and women were in the backstory. We don't hear of these guys. If the Bible doesn't record them, we do not know who they are. But they were the ones that changed history. And I'm saying to you, my friends, all of us, any one of us can be a history changer, a world maker. If we will give ourselves more to God. Mr. Reese Howells was a man who was possessed by God. That was what Samuel Howells said to, to uh, uh, James Gall. He said, you really want to know how my father did all these things? He was possessed by God. And I don't know how many times I prayed, God possess me. Possess me, Lord. I want to be a man possessed by you. I want to be a man possessed by the fire. And I want to pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, there are people watching in this, this, this message right now. I've tried to articulate it the best way I can, Lord. But I know there are people watching this right now, Lord, that need to hear this word. They need to hear the call of intercession in their lives. A few weeks ago, we talked about the watchman. Oh, watcher of men. There are people that are called to be watching and praying hallelujah that is the highest place it's to stand in the presence of the almighty god and may you choose us once again lord and cornerstone may you help us see past all the the trappings of of church growth but see something greater lord you've not called us just to be a strong local church we are called for that to, to have a global influence but we are called to be a praying band of people that will influence World history. So my God, I pray to you today and to the great Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you will endure us with power from on high. You will fill us and saturate us and, and, and fill us, Lord, with your fire, your purposes, Lord, for this hour. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, 
please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.